Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, my guest is a superhero friend of mine, Dr. J.R. Harding, who's up there as an instructional specialist in disabilities at FSU. Welcome to DifferentBrains.com, J.R. Harding. Thank you, Hacky. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me now how you encourage those of us who might be not like you and me. They're more shy. Tell us about self-identification, self-advocacy, and getting out front. And it goes along with being comfortable in your own skin with who you are. Well, and, and that's that's a great question and relates back to the blog that I wrote for you guys, which is having the courage to ask for help or the courage to self-identify, the courage to express what your accommodation needs are. And that means understanding who you are, what you're good at and what tools you need to do the job, whatever that job might be. And that took me a little while, Hacky. It did. It, it took me a little while to be okay with knocking on your door and say, you know, hey, Professor so-and-so, uh, I need some guidance here, or I need some tutoring here, or where do I get this vehicle? Who makes the, the Starship Enterprise, right? Or who, who does modifications, or my dorm room needs this, or my workplace, I need this tool. And that was part of when I got hired here, the first thing they asked me was, what accommodations do you need to excel? I needed to be able to do that and have comfort and confidence in asking what tools I needed to excel here at this position as a faculty member and a leader in the university change model here. And so going back to other folks, they need to not to be afraid because you know what? The person on the other side is more afraid than you are because they have absolutely no idea where to come from and you need to guide them down the path together. Contributing author to the FSU system master plan of 1998, included persons with disabilities for the first time, co-founder of the Florida Disability Mentoring Day. We're talking about you, J.R. Harding. Um, contributing author of the Volunteer Voting Systems Guidelines under the Help America Vote Act of 2006, contributing author to the 2004 Accessibility Guidelines, advocates for people living with disabilities through speaking out on Capitol Hill, working with federal agencies such as the Department of Justice. You're the author of Now What? and ADA Adventure. You're the director of the Family Network on Disabilities, Disabled Veterans Insurance Careers, Evergreen Life Services, Florida Alliance for Assistive Service and Technology, a board member of the Delta Advisory Board. And, uh, and now your official role at FSU is, what do you call that title you have there? 
they call it um, instructional specialist is the generic title and the role is faculty member uh, teacher researcher and, and um, service so doing the three things the University of preeminence must do which is excel in teaching excel in research and excel in service so trying to wrap all three of those core missions around persons with disabilities from inside the institution as well on the external side of the institution. What are the other inter-university um, connections that you get involved with? Well, you see, and that um, was part of being a new hire. I first had to see what, uh, what we had going on. So, for example, we have a, a faculty member involved with what's called the Autism College. Okay, and he's researching students with autism in the college life, and that is his focus. And of course, that one came by accident because, of course, God gave him a child with special abilities, right? So then he made that a focus. Another component of that would be um, we have a whole immersion program, okay, where students get a feel of diversity and so forth of how do students with blindness and mobility challenges and stuff get around. Um, then we have our whole students with disability services component. We have our um, career services um, piece. And then we have our piece with veterans with disabilities. And Florida State is one of the leaders as veteran-friendly institution in the country of consciously um, recruiting and retaining uh, men and women who chose to serve our country, right? And understanding that culture, right? So bringing those, those divergent pieces that are going on naturally, okay? And helping them put the pieces of the puzzle together. So my colleague, Dr. Cox, who heads up the uh, Autism College of Autism, he's like, JR, I get the research, but I don't know how to do the training or the community advocacy? Can you help me bring my neighbors into this? Can you help me get the not-for-profits in the community together? Where do we get our other subjects, right? How do we advance self-identification, right? A lot of people are afraid to say, hey, you know what, I've got a disability because they're afraid of how other people might interpret that as a negative stereotype rather than a strength. Even more way. difficult with our friends, our neurodiverse friends, who can pass for, quote, neurotypical, who aren't in a wheelchair, who don't have a prosthetic limb. And they, they are even more afraid. They don't want to be stigmatized. Right, right. The majority of our differently abled brains are the hidden population, right? They don't have a big sign that says, hey, you know what, I, I have a, a, a challenge. And you're quite right. They feel that if they self-disclose, they would be handicapped rather than embraced. Exactly. Uh, so they stay in the closet, so to speak. It's like being gay 50 years ago. It was much easier to just not mention it and see if you could pass, you know? Well, rather than looking in the mirror and embracing what you see. Yes. Right. 
as some unique abilities that, you know what, maybe as like SAP was saying, this is a bottom line economic decision because a few of my hires, what did he say, saved me $50 million because they found the error in the program that nobody else could find. Bingo, bingo. Now, what is the biggest roadblock to your efforts right now? I think the biggest roadblock to the end goal is the attitudinal barrier that is persuasive throughout the community that's also unconscious because nobody wants to go out and say, I don't like persons with disabilities, or I am going to consciously discriminate against people with disabilities. But yet it happens because they just haven't had a lot of experience around persons who are differently abled, okay? And so in terms of the barrier, I, I think if we can remove the attitudinal issue and bring the pieces together over a two to five year window, we can radically change this institution as a place where students with disabilities wanna go, will exceed here, and will excel in the community afterwards. What would you say the state of acceptance is on disabilities? And has it improved over time? Well, the progress is absolutely astounding. When I began, we were in the dark ages. Okay, remember, we were still part of family secrets. People were locked up. They were in the closet, in the basement, and in an institution. Okay, that's where we've come from, right? We had ugly laws in Chicago where you got arrested because you didn't look like everybody else and your family was fine for allowing you to roam and scare everybody else. Wow. Okay, on our books in American history, those kinds of behaviors occurred, okay? So where are we going now? We really, politically and financially, we've really made a big turn where those with the most significant disabilities and many of them hidden, okay, are now the priority in terms of public policy, in terms of education, and in terms of work. Because we in America, well, it just doesn't make sense for celebrating our individuality if we don't allow 57 million other Americans to do the same thing. You've mentioned in the past the idea that the support for disabilities needs to feel organic. Can you expound a little more on that? Because it connects to what you were just saying. Well, where I mean, what I mean by that goes back to your comment that you haven't met anyone who is everything all by themselves that we all need help and that we have found through the accessibility standards, through the World Wide Web and other technologies, that accommodations for persons with disabilities are in fact universal tools that everybody uses and they don't even know it. When you take things like a ramp at a curb, how many bicycles, sidewalks, and baby carriages use that? And what would they do today if they all of a sudden wasn't there, right? 
without getting off into any heavy-duty political discussions, tell us about some of the political figures you have worked with over the many years. Well, I really had the privilege of working with some really dynamic folks on the Democrat side as well as the Republican side. Okay, to me, the issue of disability is nonpartisan issue. I've just encountered you know, um, presidents and governors' approaches to our independence, to our funding of education, to our technology issues, to our transportation, different, right? And the challenge is things do cost money sometimes. Right. And is the piggy bank in such a shape that we can invest in additional pieces? And part of our challenge is educating these uh, politicians that investing in persons with disabilities isn't a special investment. It isn't something you should do just when the piggy bank is full. But in fact, it's a return on investment that anybody we can, that any point in time is a return. Or for example, when we were doing the transportation and I was the chairman of it, we were doing 50 million trips a year for Floridians who weren't able to drive. 50 million. I had 1 million customers who needed to go to work, to the hospital, a grocery store, movie theater, quality of life. Well, we were able to take the value of that transportation money and show for every $1 you put into the system, we were getting an $8.35 return from that investment. Because by JR going to work, what was he earning for that day? So that trip, in fact, wasn't a courtesy trip, but it was value added. Not only was I then earning money, but what about the 500 people who were employed in the system who were providing all of those trips? You know, the whole ripple effect. It makes so much sense. And with you leading the way, maybe we'll be able to change the whole world's way of thinking. Tell us about the books you've written so that our audience can learn about them. Well, thank you. Um, the first book, Now What? I co-authored with uh, my lovely wife, Erica, and thanks to her, which was kind of like the, the last piece of that puzzle, right? I, I had the courage to lay it out of coming to age and living with two significant paralyzing injuries, plus some mental health issues and stuff along the way. So really it describes one day you're on top of the world being recruited to play football and rowing boats, and the next minute, you're laying in the hospital bed struggling for your life. And then 15 years later, you're doing something that no one else in your family's done, which is earn a doctorate, right? Graduating from a preeminent institution, right? And working for governors and presidents. I mean, it is a story that you can't even begin to imagine. And it was certainly not one that I was envisioning when I was 15 or 16 years of age, right? That's and then, the first book. Now, what was the second book? The second book is called The ADA Adventure, um, which then really fills in the blanks for the next 15 years. 
but not so much chronologically, but more in terms of the holistic part of life. So how about work? Some of the ups and the downs. Like for example, my first job teaching, I actually had to go to the school board for an interview. How many teachers in the county go to the school board for an interview? Zero. But yet they sat in their high chairs and asked questions like, well, how are you gonna write on the chalkboard? And I was like, well, where in the state law do I have to write on the chalkboard? Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got 30 kids in the classroom. That's what they're for, right? And then they were like things like, well, how are you gonna manage high school kids? I was like, well, because I was one of those knuckleheads. I'll be just fine. Right. Say the same way I'm managing you. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, right. You appeal to, you know, their individualism, their egos, and you get the jocks to help you manage the classroom. Right. And then likewise, so then even dealing, even though I was overeducated and entering the workforce with advanced degree, some of those ups and downs. And, you know, laying it out to the public, letting them know that just because I had a disability didn't mean that life was going to be easy there. Right? That we all have workplace politics, right, uh, to deal with. Um, another component was how about dating, marriage, life, sexuality? There's a whole chapter in all of that. Or how about fun? You know, we haven't even talked about fun, hacky. I love to water ski, scuba dive, go bowling, miniature golf, you know, in the movies, travel, all of those pieces of life. Or flying. How do people with uh, um, significant challenges get on airplanes? And that's partly why I'm on the Delta Advisory Board, because we need to make it easier for folks to be able to travel to some of the unique places that are now open and accessible for us to explore in person rather than online, right? Um, and then I talk about uh, uh, community service, giving back. And then I end it with going back to my high school reunion 30 years after the injury to kind of put to rest the old demons that had been sleeping in with me and to visit with my classmates for those who knew what was going on, but didn't know how to handle it when we were 17 years of age and how they embraced me and what was going on in my mind's eye in that uh, uh, experience. So those are the two books. Well, quite a ride. Now, how will our audience find out all about J.R. Harding and your books and how will they learn more about you because they can't watch this interview and not want to know more from you. Uh, well, you're too kind, and I don't know about being a, a full expert, but I just try and live life. Answering your question, um, they can find me at jrharding.com or at Florida State University at uh, www.fsu.edu. Uh, the two books are out there on amazon.com. They can be clicked through uh, my website, and I think there are even hot links in the uh, blog that you've already put out a week or two ago. J.R. Harding, is there anything we didn't cover 
that you would like to tell our Different Brains audience? Well, yes. I think we as a population, we as a valued member of our community, who are just now getting our voice, must remember our collective history, our shared culture, and we must begin to raise the next generation of leaders to ensure that our integration, that our community success and our place in the world is continued to be defined and that that bar continues to rise in terms of our abilities to make a difference. You know, I have to say, when we first met, there was an instant chemistry. You're just great to hang around. You got a great attitude. You're a lot of fun. We have to mainstream what you're talking about. That's what we're trying to do. It's not preaching to the choir. It's getting the whole world to realize this is for all of our benefit. It's for companies to make more profit. It's for people to be happier. It's win, win, win. It's not a right. zero sum well, game. On that note, I think through your um, voice and your partner's voices, we need to go ahead and, uh, and identify the barriers that we have yet need to tackle. For example, like um, housing. We call that now aging in place, right? Your generation doesn't want to go to the institution, right? The old folks' homes called the house, right? Well, is the house with accessible features? How do we transform the marketplace so they start building single-family homes with practical accessibility features that, oh, by the way, also make living without a disability there easier? Very well said. And it's, it's, it's movements like that that are gonna happen because of leaders like you. It's gonna happen. We've been speaking here with J.R. Harding, another episode of Exploring Different Brains. I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and J.R. Harding up at FSU, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Exploring Different Brains today. Thank you for inviting me and happy holidays to you and your family and all of your uh, extended members of the family at different brands. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.